Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. We're now on Proverbs 16, and um, when you all were talking about just God causing you to pause for some reason, this is just truly what spoke to me is that Proverbs 16, we're, we're only going to look, we're going to look at different verses in the word because the word reflects the word, of course, but um, Proverbs 16, we're going to look mainly at three verses and just really look at them and 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 um, let the Holy Spirit speak to us. So um, I can't believe the timing of this because um it's just interesting. There's times in your life when you're making decisions and there's times in your life when you're not. And I feel like we're making so many decisions right now. And it's sort of that season in our lives, at least in our family. And so this was perfect timing and God is always perfect with that. So I, I would call it looking at decisions. It's actually our discovering hidden treasure number nine. So, we're looking at decisions. If you look at Proverbs 16.1, and we're going to look at Proverbs 16.9 and 16.33. But if you look at Proverbs 16.1, it says, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And then Proverbs 16.9 is really similar. The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And then Proverbs 16.33, the lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. And I want to say, what, what do these scriptures say exactly? What exactly are they saying? Because the first part of each of these scriptures is saying, basically, if you look at Proverbs 16.1, it's saying that we have hearts full of hopes and desires. We each have hearts full of hopes and desires, basically. The plans of the heart belong to man. And if you look at the first, first part of Proverbs 16, 9, where it says the man, the mind of man plans his way, we have our minds shaped by our imaginations and experiences and educations. And so that's what the first part of Proverbs 16, 9 is saying. And then Proverbs 16, 33, the lot is cast into the lap. Um, most of you know that in, especially in the old Testament, they would cast lots and in the new Testament as to what God's decision might be. And I look at this as saying, well, God gives us opportunities, situations, and special circumstances. So the lot can be cast into the lap. But the second part of all of these scriptures is saying that, but the decision is basically, and the answer is basically And the direction is not even basically, I should say, exceedingly, wondrously from God. So we have our hearts, we have our minds, we have our situations and and occasions and um, opportunities. But God wants to have that final answer because he loves us. So what gets us in trouble is when we solely depend on our minds, which a lot of us can do, and even experts, statistics, market patterns, instead of insulting God. When we look at opportunities as, oh, this is an open door versus a closed door, which I still have yet to find in the Bible, open door, closed door. 
Um, we just need to be careful that we are consulting constantly with God. Um, and then our hearts and our minds can just stray into all sorts of places. Uh, I don't know about you, but I could give lots of examples of that where it's like, what was I even thinking? You know, am I crazy? You know, and, and not let necessarily that it's awful or sinful, but you, you look into it and realize, I don't have any peace with that. And I don't know what I was thinking, you know. And so we look, looking at the second part of all these scriptures that's what I want to really land on, the second part of all these scriptures. Because we're pretty good at going with our heart, going with our mind, and going with the situation. That's normal. That's how the world operates. And that's actually how most Christians operate. Is just, you know, what I said earlier, open door, closed door. Or, you know, what did all my friends advise me to do? Or what looks like a good situation? Or what seems good? But that's, you know, again, what got... Even trouble is what seemed good. And so we have to be really careful about even how we feel about something and really go with God. How do we do that? Let's look at the second part of um, Proverbs 16, 1. It says, of course, the first part, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And obviously that means the final answer that comes from us needs to be after spending time with God and directed by him and not the answer that we might readily have out of our mouths. That's why it's so important for all of us to learn as as we grow closer to Christ and grow more in Christ's image to um, respond in the way that Christ would want us to respond and not react in the way that maybe even our personality might normally react or our mind or our will or our emotions. We've got to remember, you know, Christ at one point in a very difficult situation responded by writing in the dirt, you know. So we need to have times where sometimes we respond in silence. Um, We just give it a rest and think about it before we have our say. So, or even make our decision. Um, there was a time in my life, and, and I kind of can't say when, but um, I was supposed to go out with some people. And um, before I went out, the Holy Spirit just did not give me peace. It was like I'd already said, you know, I can go. And, and they were like, well, we'll pick you up at the blah, blah, blah. And the Holy Spirit just didn't give me peace. So I changed my answer to, you know, I, I really can't go. Um, I'm sorry, and didn't give an explanation because I didn't, I just didn't want to say the Holy Spirit told me to stay home. Well, there was a horrible car wreck that night, and one of the persons was killed, and the other was very, very, very injured. And it's a very, very sad and and horrible situation, but um, if, if we'll listen to God, it's not that they weren't listening to God and I'm not judging them whatsoever. I'm just saying for me in my life and the pattern that God has me on and the road that God has me on, that was something that helped guide my answer was having peace with him, which you can't even know if you have peace or not if you're not spending time with him and spending time in his word and really receiving peace because most of us, I mean, I hate to say it, I don't want this to be true of any Christian, but 
we live like the world has taught us to live. Like, well, it's your decision and you have to consult the experts and you, you know, make up your own mind and you answer the way you want to answer. And God said, no, you know, I want you to consult me because I know things you don't know. There's a great quote that says, the stops of a good man are ordered by the Lord as well as his steps by Mueller. And if you think about that, the stops of the Lord are ordered as well as his steps. And we don't like stops, you know. We like steps. But sometimes God says stop. And we need to hear that. If we look at Proverbs 16, 9, the first part says, The mind of man plans his way. But the second part is what we want to really, really look at. But the Lord directs his steps. So how we go about our lives and what paths that lead God's way are directed by the Holy Spirit inside us. And it doesn't mean that we don't mess up. I mean, if you mess up, rest assured that God can pick you up from where you are and place you on the right path. It's, it's, it's never too late. But we need to know that he directs our steps. He shows us where to walk. I, I looked up that word he, in the Hebrew, directs. And I love what it says. It means so much more than just, okay, he directs our steps. Well, that's great. That means he, you know, must just direct us. Well, okay, go this way, go that way. But in the Hebrew, it means he prepares our steps. He establishes our steps. He readies our steps. He provides for our steps. And that he also writes us. You know, R-I-G-H-T-S, like when you're literally falling over that God might write you, you know, that he might pull you back up into the position of standing. And so I love that that the Hebrew says all of those things. I was talking to a really good friend um, and she was, we were eating a brief early dinner and um, she was talking to me about how um, she herself is actually a veterinarian here in San Antonio and has a clinic here that she's very, very devoted to. And they have quite a few children and have a house they've just remodeled. And so um, they're what she would call not movable because of her career, et cetera. And her husband um, works for AT&T. He's the last group left in San Antonio. All the other ones have been moved. And she was talking about how he had been passed up for promotion after promotion after promotion and that they didn't really understand why in the world he would not be giving these promotions. But if he had, he would be in one of the groups that left San Antonio. And that would be a terrible situation for them because he's worked for AT&T for 20-something years and has much investment in that. And um, he'd have to get a different job. And so sometimes we, we look at things as, you know, God's directing my steps. Well, I don't like where I'm going, you know, or I'm not going anywhere or something like that. And we need to just trust, no, let's let him direct our steps. Let's let him, let's trust him. You know, trust him when it looks like we're being passed over. Sometimes it looks like our prayers aren't being answered and God is answering them. Um, I love this quote. I don't have a clue who Hayden W. Robinson is, but I'm going to give him credit. It says, life is what happens to us while we're making other plans. And I think that's so true. Life is what happens to us while we're making other plans. 
And we need to be flexible like that as Christians and realize, wow, you know, God, if this is not in your will for me, I don't even want it. Please don't give it to me. I mean, have you started praying that way? I've I've started praying that way a long time ago. Not God do this and do that, but please, if this is not what you want for us or if this is not the right way to pray for my child or if this is not a good thing, then even though it looks like the answer, I don't want it. I mean, I I just want your perfect and best will. I want you to prepare my steps and direct my steps and right me when I fall over. So let's look at Proverbs 16, 33. That first part, again, says the lot, which I'm going to say is a situation or an opportunity, is cast into the lap. But every decision is from the Lord. So we have these situations and opportunities that present themselves to us, but every decision is from the Lord. And the best example I could think of that, I'm sure there's many, many, um, I thought of many things in history and some things with Churchill, but I also thought of just a small microscopic example in that um, when we first married Lacey, we moved back to San Antonio, and Lacey started working for a, a really, really large firm. And, of course, you work your way up in those firms, and then you kind of pay your dues, and you then are where a lot of men want to be, and you're more secure in your finances, et cetera, et cetera. And he was working up in this firm and um, went to sort of a Christmas gathering that just the... It was in the boardroom that just the attorneys went to. And the head attorney that started this firm said, you know, we're one of the largest, um, and I won't say what kind of firms, um, in San Antonio. And I've, you know, basically lost my family and lost everything because I've worked so hard to be where we are. But it's been worth it. And Lacey left that Christmas party, and it was like, it was no longer for him about moving up in the firm and losing me or his family. He didn't even have children yet, but he kind of saw the end result and God opened his eyes to this is what it's going to take in this particular firm. It's not necessarily every big firm. I'm not, I'm not making an overall statement. But he left that law firm without having a job at all. And I was still in college. <laughs> so he, he left that law firm just in faith and without having anywhere to go and ended up officing with someone and learning some things and now doing elder law, which is perfect for him, and, and wills and trusts and estates. and Perfect fit because he's very patient and he's very methodical. And it's just amazing how if he had stayed at that firm, he would be doing completely different work, completely different. So we want our decisions to be from the Lord. And it didn't look like that was a good decision because the opportunity was stay in this firm and work your way up. The opportunity was have security financially. The opportunity situation was, you know, this is where everybody wants to be and you're here and why would you leave? You have nowhere to go. (laughs) And so... The opportunity was not what what motivated Lacey, and it shouldn't be what motivates us. 
It's the decision of the Lord. What is God's decision on this? What is God's decision? There's a song that was written in 1950 that, I don't know how I come over all this stuff, but the internet is very fascinating the way it'll connect you from one thing to another. But it's such a simple song, and it kind of reflects the innocence, I think, of, of, of a different generation. But it's something that we need to really take heed and, and listen to the words and apply them to, to our lives. It's super simple. I mean, this is just one phrase, but it says many things about tomorrow. I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow and I know who holds my hand. And that just is meaningful to me in so many ways. Many things about tomorrow, I don't seem to understand. I I could even say many things about today, (laughs) I don't seem to understand. Many things about yesterday, I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds all of my days in all of my children's days and all of my husband's days. And, you know, I know who holds them and I know who holds my hand. And in knowing him, it's, it's just that Christ and his word and his promises are above all these opportunities and above what I might think or above what my heart might desire. And I want that and I want you all don't want that because then you're in his best plan. There's a great prayer that I happened on to, and it's really not a prayer, but it's Jeremiah um, talking in, in Jeremiah 10:23, And I've kind of made it my prayer because of so many things that, that we need to decide right now and um, that we need our steps directed uh, concerning. And it says in Jeremiah 23, And 24, the second part of verse 24, it says, I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in a man who walks to direct his steps. And then Jeremiah 24, the second part says, correct me, O Lord. And I just thought, I don't know how often I've prayed, correct me. But that is really what... I would love for my children to someday say to me, you know, if I'm on the wrong path, mom, would you let me know? That shows a a maturity in them and a trust towards me. And it says so clearly, I know that a man's way is not in himself. Well, we are brought up to think that our way is in ourselves. You know, we just go our own way. This is my way. This is my way or the highway, you know. And this says there is a son or a daughter. If you trust God, your heavenly father, then you're going to want to be corrected. And I know of a situation in detail that happened years ago. But um, what happens in, in sadly is people get into positions. And in this case, it was a pastor of a church where they're not accountable to anyone and they're not correctable, and that's really the worst place to be, in all honesty. You need to be accountable and be correctable and listen to others because um, God can use, you know, anything he wants to correct us. He can use a a donkey. So we know that from the scriptures, so (laughs) I won't get into that. But um, this man just had a lot of people tell him certain things and, and 
close people to him and then other people um, not so close. I was embarrassed but had to say something to him, and, and he, which is not my nature at all. But um, uh, anyway, he ended up losing his church, and it was a very sad, sad thing. It was just that everyone just sort of moved and dispersed. I wasn't a member of that church, but we had visited several times, and it was just so evident that he was going to just go his own way, and he was a pastor. So sometimes we need to think, am I at a place where I'm not accountable to anyone? Do I think that things are just between me and God, or am I correctable? Not correctable to someone saying, well, I just feel that da-da-da, blah-blah-blah. I mean, but correctable to someone who says, you know, I prayed about this, or this scripture means a lot to me, and let me share this with you. And we listen, being a good listener, and want to be corrected. Because Proverbs 16.25 is just a, I know we've talked about it in here before, but it is kind of a knock the air out of your stomach punch. But it says that there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. So there is ways that seem right to us. This seems right. You know, let's do this. This seems great. Um, I have all my friends going in the same direction. This is great. Or I have so much affirmation. Or look at all the open doors. Or um, all the things that we say that are really not biblical when we need to go to God and say, you know, this may seem right to me, but I really need you to correct me, get me on the right path, get me thinking the right things, get me focused um, as Paige prayed earlier, have, have me be centered in your word and not off to some other place where we can go really quickly. I don't know about you, but I can go really quickly. I've laughed about having strong-willed children, and every time they've done something, God has said, see, see what I mean? This is exactly how I feel. You know, every situation that has ever happened, and, and I just want to say, stop, I am... I, I I don't want to know that, but it, anyway, in, even in their growing up now, I'm I'm like, I want them to come to the place where they're like, I want to be correctable because if I'm correctable, I can be on the right path. And how important that is. There's a, a little poem that says, "Refusing to listen to faithful rebuke can make you feel haughty inside, but if you will follow the word of the Lord, you'll conquer your self-centered pride." And really, we are. If we're left alone to our own devices, we are so self-centered. It is so about us and what we need and what we need to do and what we think and what's going on in our lives. And and, and God wants us to be God-centered and then others-centered. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So he wants us to be God-centered, number one, and then others-centered. So that we can reflect Christ. And no matter what we're going through, we can still give out the love of God. Because we're not giving from the reservoir of our own. We're giving out from the reservoir of the Holy Spirit. And we've already rolled our situations or given our situations that we can't handle over to God. Knowing God makes us humble, but knowing ourselves keeps us humble. I don't know who said that, but I think that's pretty good. Knowing God makes us humble, but knowing ourselves really keeps us humble. And, you know, 
I like that because it's scriptural and that Colossians 3.3 says that our life is hidden in Christ. So the more we know Christ, the more we know our true selves. And the more we know Christ, the more we have a reflection of what we should attain to be, not in our own strength or our own power, but with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind, wanting to be like Christ, not wanting to be like another person on earth, and that's good enough because they serve the Lord or, you know, a writer of a book you just read or whatever. It's not about that. It's about imitating Jesus, and we all fall short, and that keeps us that keeps us on our knees. That keeps us humble, and you know what? That keeps us safe. Getting out of humility and into pride is the most dangerous territory I can think of. It's why Satan fell. It's why the angel of light became the worst of all and an enemy of God. So looking at that, um, in Colossians 1, I was just going to read one through um, part of 3, the second part of 3. But it says, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and see him there because that's where he is. Christ is at the right hand of God. We're to be seeking those things. Set your mind on things above and not the things on the earth. And and we need to be doing that every morning, like resetting our minds. You know, we have, I was told a couple days ago, um, that I make really bad coffee. Now, this is after 23 years of making coffee. And I said, look, we have a coffee maker that costs $9.99, and I buy Folgers, and I buy whatever. And if you want to buy a really expensive coffee maker, just let me know, and I will. But it's just been a funny thing for me to, after all these years, be told, our coffee is really bad. And so, I mean, I was like, that's kind of in the midst of just, I mean, you know how sometimes things can just come out of nowhere. And I, I didn't, I wasn't offended. I just was like, well, if, you know, it's nine ninety nine, So sometimes you get what you pay for. And I don't, I guess I really don't have a very um, good palate for coffee because I can't tell if it's really good or really bad or whatever. I mean, I know some people can. To me, sometimes I've gone to even... Uh, a, a place where a lot of people go to get coffee and I've drank it and thought it tasted like dirt, but that's just me. And sometimes if it's too strong, that's just what happens. But I noticed this morning, and this is kind of funny, that Lacey um, filled up the coffee maker last night with the amount that he wanted and the water. And so all I had to do when I went down to the kitchen early this morning was to press on, just reset it. And then it would make coffee and this is such a small thing but if you just think about this every morning we need to reset like it says in Colossians 3 2 our minds on things above I can't walk past the coffee maker and go well I wish you would reset and make coffee I mean I have to literally reset it and I believe with all my heart and soul that that is something that we need to do every morning because Every commercial, every billboard, most of the people we talk to, wherever we go in the world, is setting our minds upon the things of the earth. And in especially this season, holiday seasons, and things that you need to do, and just busyness, 
in the end, you know, Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Am I doing my will or God's will? Am I walking in my ways or God's ways? Because Matthew 6.33 says, if I seek first the kingdom of God, all those other things will be added. And so I need to reset my mind so much more than I need to reset that coffee maker. You know, a lot of people can't function without coffee. They're like, don't even talk to me until I have a cup of coffee. And I want to be like, I don't want to talk to anybody until I've reset my mind on things above because I don't even want to go in the direction of where I could go if I didn't reset. I need to reset my mind on things above. And then Colossians 3, 3 in the second half says, for your life is hidden with Christ and God. Because we go searching blindly in the darkness through all of these paths of when I get this through, if I can just finish this, I will have peace. If I can just unpack from Thanksgiving, I will have peace. If I can just decorate for Christmas, I'll have peace. Once I get my Christmas presents done, I will have peace. Once my child gets in school full time, I will have peace. Well, once my teenager gets out of the teenager years, I'll have peace. Well, what? And it's not that. It's setting our minds on things above and trusting God with all of those things on earth. And knowing that we can have peace right now. I love this proverb in, in Proverb 1 5. It says, um, and I'm kind of going backwards because we're in Proverb 16, but it still just means a lot. It says, A wise man will hear and increase in learning. And I, I, I want. I mean, I want to ask myself that. If I hear, do I increase in learning? Because wisdom isn't hearing. Wisdom's hearing and then doing. Because you can hear and hear and hear and hear and hear and hear and be full of what is truth. But if you're not doing it, you're not exercising it, you're going to lose it. If you don't use it, you will lose it. (laughs) I mean, that saying is true in the sense of hearing truth, then do truth. If I hear to be correctable, then I need to open myself up to be correctable to people, to um, even maybe a, a source that I'm not expecting to be corrected by. But I want God to direct my steps. So hearing is is increasing in, in learning only if we're doing. Um, Deji Dehan said, A willingness to learn is a mark of growth and wisdom. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. The Hebrew word for learning in this verse means a taking in. So we need to be taking in God's word. Separate from just hearing it right now, taking it in in our houses, writing it on index paper, index cards, and putting it all in the bathroom, whatever you need to do, text yourself. I've texted myself the word before. I have done silly things that, that people might think are silly, but just to get that word in my face and in my mind and get myself back up in the heavenlies and thinking upon things of God and not getting into all of the business on this earth, which will make you nuts. And I'm not talking about just shopping. I'm talking about serious things that when you've been diagnosed with a life and death disease, when you're, uh, a relationship is in a horrible situation, when your child is in a horrible place, you know, I'm, we need to then be able to reset ourselves, 
here, take in the word of God and apply it to our lives immediately by trusting God. To sum up things, um, there's just this anonymous little poem that I like, and so I wrote it in. It says, it's not what we have, but what we use. So I love to think about that. It's really not what you know, but what you use. Because a lot of us know a lot of things, we just don't use it. So it's not what you have, but what you use. And it's not what you see, but what you choose. So it's not really, if I can back up a little bit, how wise you are and how well you perceive things and how discerning you are, but what you choose through leaning on God. And and again, sheep are not the wisest animals in the world. Matter of fact, they might be amongst the least wise. And we're compared, obviously, and all the time in the Bible to sheep and that God's our good shepherd. So he's not saying, I really want you to think this through and make up your own mind and drive yourself and everyone crazy until the decision is made and then beat yourself up after the decision is made because you shouldn't have made that decision. He wants us to lean on him and we're going to make mistakes, but he can right us. He can put us back on the right road. So it's not what we have, but what we use. It's not what we see, but what we choose. These are the things that mar or bless the sum of human happiness. Wow. Wow. So this to me, you know, I have no idea how long I spoke. I feel like it hasn't been probably long enough, but um, I want to share one more thing anyway, if you all can hang in there with me. But this to me is all about being... You know, it starts out by saying, or I'm looking at it as looking at decisions. You know, decisions need to be up to God. And that almost speaks to us as lack of freedom. Well, then I have lack of freedom as a person to just, you know, follow the world and make decisions. But it's actually giving us freedom. It actually gives us freedom. And if you all hang in here with me, I'm just going to read this short little Um, article because it speaks to me so loudly that when we give up our rights to God, we have more freedom. When we, the more we give to God, the more we receive, the more that we trust God, the more peace we have, the more that we do of God's word, the more wisdom we have and keep doing and receive more. And just like that, Hebrew word for learning. The more we learn, the more we take in, the more we are like Christ and can be like Christ. And this talks about being free. Right now I'm dealing with a couple situations in um, life coaching persons. And um, one person keeps saying, well, I just want to be free to make my own decisions. And um, so it's interesting what we're studying right now because freedom in Christ is is opposite sometimes to what we might think is freedom. Sometimes just going off on our own and doing our own thing and doing what we want and just thinking what we want and saying what we want, and that might feel good to our flesh, but that's really actually, like Proverbs sixteen twenty five says, there is a way that seems right to man, and the end result is death. It can be death of a relationship. It can be death of... Um, of peace. It can be death of um, good decision making. So we need to realize that. 
How to Be Free is the name of this article. It says, the human spirit longs for freedom, but for many people, its pursuit actually leads to greater bondage. Bible teacher Henrietta Mears once told her students, a bird is free in the air, but plays a bird in the water, and he has lost his liberty. A fish is free in the water, but leave him on the sand, and he perishes. The Christian is really free when he or she does the will of God and is obedient to God's commands. This is the natural realm for God's children as the water is for the fish and the air for the bird. I love that. Because truly, even in the world, if you'll let me just go with this same thought process, we are fish out of water. And we shouldn't wonder why we are not comfortable here. We shouldn't wonder why. We spend so much of our lives trying to make ourselves comfortable here. This is not our home. We are truly fish out of water. We're birds not in the air, but put in the water. And only in following Christ can we have that real freedom that true good freedom and, and letting him direct our hearts and our minds and our decisions. And so I just want to reread. I just want to look again because I think it's going to be so much deeper for, for me and so much deeper for all of us just to think about these scriptures that we, that we went over today. Proverbs 16, 1, the plans of a heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. That should mean so much deeper to us now. That my answer belongs to the Lord. And even if you're a quick answer, I know I've joked about with me, I have the answer before you've asked the question. It's good to say, you know, I'm going to back up because my steps and my stops are from the Lord. And my answer needs to be from the Lord. I can't just answer. The mind of a man, Proverbs 16, 9, says, plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Lord, I want you to direct my step. Again, in the Hebrew, that that means that he actually prepares our steps. In the Hebrew, that actually means that he not only directs, that directs means he um, provides for our steps. So where you, he wants you to go, what he wants you to do, he'll provide for I've seen it over and over again in people going on the mission field or doing things that just look crazy and um, how God provides, even in this in the ministry, even in, in doing this ministry and being in, on radio. It's not at all about me and not at all about that, except for just that God, God provides. And it doesn't even work out on paper if you really want to know the truth. He just does. And so he is good because he directs our steps of what to do. And so we can't look at, oh, this is what my mind is telling me to do. We need to look at, well, God is directing my steps. And if he prepares, he provides. And what he provides for, I'm going for. And then Proverbs 16, the cat, the lot is cast into the lap. The lot is cast into the lap. So, you know, the situation, the opportunity, that's the way we're looking at it today is cast into your lap all of a sudden. Does that mean you go for it? It doesn't. It says, but every decision is from the Lord. 
Go to livingjesus.us to hear the rest of Kathleen's message and hundreds more at no cost. Thousands of people in 40 countries download Kathleen's scripture-filled, Jesus-inspired, real-life messages at an increasing rate. Jesus said, freely you received, freely give, Matthew 10.8. If you are able, financially join us in reaching the world for Jesus. Go to livingjesus.us and freely give so that those who could never pay will continue to freely receive. 